Welcome to this week's podcast from the Equipping Church. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Jacob as well. We have been in a series, Life on Mission. We are called to fulfill God's mission. That's what we've been talking about, that each one of us has a uniquely crafted vision by God for our life. We each have a unique mandate. But critically, we must understand a principle that Jesus spells out in Luke 17. In Luke 17, verse 20, he says this, Now he was questioned by the Pharisees as to when the kingdom of God was coming. And he answered them and said, The kingdom of God is not coming with signs that can be observed, nor will they say, Look, here it is, or there it is, for behold, the kingdom of God is in your midst. I want to read it out of the King James as well this morning. It says this in verse 20, And when he was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation. Verse 21, Neither shall they say, Lo, here, or lo, there, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. And this is a principle that we need to understand this morning. The religious at that time, the Pharisees were looking for Jesus to come and do what? Overthrow the government. They were looking for this grand king who would come in with all of his regalia, destroy Rome, God's kingdom would be established, and they were looking to Jesus to see if he was the one that was going to achieve this because they were looking for an earthly kingdom. But Jesus clarified the mandate that drove him and ultimately the church. It says this, The kingdom of God is within you. So Jesus wasn't coming to establish a kingdom made by man with castles and and all of these things that Rome had. He was coming to establish a kingdom that was built in man. The kingdom of God is within you. Every time a person comes to Christ, every time God meets a need, heals a heart, delivers a person, God's kingdom has come into that person. When we come to know Jesus, his kingdom comes within us. However, each person has a mission in terms of how they work out the overall mission of the kingdom. The overall mission of the kingdom was to seek and save that which was lost, which was relationship with man. Those who were far from God, Jesus came to bring us close to God. And that is the overall mission of the kingdom. But the way each one of us works that out is completely individual. We all have the overall mission, but each one of us have to understand that we have a unique mission within the mission. Last week, we finished with this thought that God works this mission through these three ways. Understanding the gifts God has given me. Each one of you have a gift that God has given you. Each one of you have multiple gifts that God has given you. The tragedy of the human heart is that many people never discover the gifts that God has given them. The second thing is that we receive a personal conviction and mandate from God. Most believers go throughout their life, living life, never understanding what God has called them to, their individual purpose and goal. Not everyone's called to a microphone in the church, but everyone has a unique calling and mandate that God has given them. And the tragedy is many never discover that. And once we receive that personal conviction, then we have to discover how to work that out. So once you've received your personal conviction, then you discover how to work that out and that we should focus our prayer around these words. Lord, who have you called me to be and how do I work that out? Who have you called me to be 
and how do I work that out? That's what we ended last week with. And so we're going to dive more into that this week. And the answer lies in defining the gifts God has given us and therefore using these gifts, how we should work in our mission. There's a great parable in the the middle of all the kingdom parables that Jesus teaches. And that's where we're going to be this morning. Matthew 25. We're going to read verses 14 to 30. I know it's going to be a it's going to be a long journey through this one, but we're going to make it right. Verse 14 of Matthew 25. For it is just like a man about to go on a journey who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his own ability, and he went on his journey. The one who had received the five talents immediately went and did business with them and earned five more talents. In the same way, the one who had received the two talents earned two more. But he who received the one talent went away and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. The one who'd received the five talents came up and brought five more talents, saying, Master, you entrusted five talents to me. See, I've earned five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter the joy of your master. Also, the one who'd received the two talents came up and said, Master, you entrusted two talents to me. See, I have earned two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, Good and faithful servant, you were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter the joy of your master. Now the one who'd received the one talent also came up and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. And I was afraid. So I went away and hid your talent in the ground. See, you still have what is yours. But his master answered and said to him, You worthless, lazy slave. Did you know that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I did not scatter seed? Then you ought to have put my money in the bank and on my arrival, I would have received my money back with interest. Therefore, take the talent away from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. For to everyone who has, more shall be given and he will have an abundance. But from the one who does not have, even what he does have shall be taken away. And throw the worthless slave into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. What a parable. So much there. And this parable, I've heard so many different interpretations, so many different ways of looking at it. But for the sake of today, I want to interpret talent as a gift, as an ability, something given to us by God to work with and like an investment for it to grow and increase. And that's what we're called to as believers is that God has entrusted each one of us That Jesus, the man who leaves with the talents, leaves others with the talents to continue on what he had left them. For this to be relevant, we have to define the talents that God has given each one of us and that he will hold us accountable for. Romans 12, 4 through 8 says this, For just as as we have many parts in one body and all the body parts do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ and individually parts of one another. However, since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to use them properly. If prophecy, in proportion to one's faith. If service, in the act of serving. 
or the one who teaches in the act of teaching. And it goes on, exhorts exhortation, the one who gives, the one who has the gift of cheerfulness, give cheerfully. And of course, we could go through the nine gifts set out in 1 Corinthians 12 and Ephesians 4, 11 and 12 speaks of five offices. And we could go through all of these. But the bottom line is this found in 1 Peter 4, 10. As each one has received a special gift, employ it, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Everyone has a gift. Everyone, every single person, doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, what your story is, everyone has received gifts from God, no exception. One scripture says, the gift and call come without repentance. So from the very beginning of your life, God instilled these gifts on the inside of you. And everyone, here's the key, is accountable for those gifts. We are all accountable. Those gifts, a lot of people function well in their gifts without understanding why they have them. I know a lot of unbelievers who have great gifts that they function in and flow well in and they they understand their gift. They just haven't surrendered it to Christ yet. And each one of you have gifts that God has placed on the inside of you. I can look back over my life, even when I was running from Jesus, my gifts were still in operation. One of the gifts God gave me early on was uh, the gift of discernment. And I would be in situations running from Jesus where I go, I need to get out of this place. I discern something's not right. I need to get out of here. Or even when I was running from Jesus, I would be talking with someone and all of a sudden God would begin to speak to me about that person and I would start sharing with them out of my own life experience, running from Jesus about how they needed to turn to Jesus. I was running from Jesus and leading people to Jesus. Because the gift and call come without repentance. The gift that He's given us is always at work and we're all accountable for it. We're all accountable. I always had a deep sense of hating injustice. I I can't handle injustice. Something on the inside of me just gets so twisted when I see injustice. And even when I was running from Jesus, that deep sense of hating injustice was always outworking in my life. And so there are various ways that we could define gifts and and how you can discover your gifts. There's there's some great questionnaires that you can use online. There's there's all these things. But the parable that we're looking at, I want to break it down together and take this journey together. Verse 14. For it is just like a man about to go on a journey who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. For the sake of today, this man being God and these slaves being born-again believers, the man went to a distant country to receive a kingdom for himself and then return. Jesus went to a place to prepare a place for us so that in his absence we might outwork his kingdom so that when he returned, we have something to present to him. A common concept in the parables is Jesus leaving for another country and leaving his servants to continue to work in a place of himself. And a day is going to come when he returns. Whatever your end time view, 
We could debate whether it's pre or post or mid. I'm a pan-tribber, however it pans out. Hallelujah, he's coming back. However it pans out. But here's the truth. He's coming back. And he will hold us accountable for what we did in his absence. A day is going to come. And he has invested gifts and talents in principle. God has entrusted to our care and management some facets of the Lord's business. He has entrusted us. He has looked at us from the beginning of time, looked and said, I will have a people who will be entrusted with my kingdom. No one has been overlooked. Everyone is given something. And the business responsibility is related to the gifts, the callings, and the grace of God in our lives. Verse 15, To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his own ability. And he went on his journey. We see that there are different levels of distribution. Not everyone has the same gifts. Hallelujah that not everyone has the same gifts. I'm so thankful that we're not all the same. If there were more than one of me, I would go crazy because I can barely handle the one of me. Y'all couldn't handle two of me. It'd be too much. Thank you, Mike, for the amen on the front row. But here's the great encouragement. God doesn't expect from us more than what He has already given us. We have this idea that we live from, oh, I have to be like so-and-so, and I have to be like this person, and I have to use their gifts. No, He's given you your gifts. He has given you what you have been created and fashioned for. You are not anyone else. God knows the potential we each have. And there is no criticism from the Father that one has more ability or potential to manage and produce than another. We've all been given the call that we each have something though. And here's the great danger is the temptation is often to feel we have to do more, be more productive, be more involved so as to reach the standards of the most active, hardworking, high achievers in the church. We have this, I have to be like Sister Bertha better than you. And we have this idea that we have to do what the other person's doing. No, you need to function in your gifts. Because when you get outside of your gifting, that's where trouble happens. I, I can't be the pastor across town because that's not my gifting. I can't be like them. I can learn principles from them. I can learn how they do things and I can use some of those tools that they have. But my gift will never be someone else's gift. And the trouble that we often get ourselves into is that we compare. And comparison in our culture and especially in the church culture is so rampant and disgusting because we are trying to be someone else. Because here's the truth. God matches what he has given us individually with responsibility. So yes, you have your individual gifts that you are responsible for. Problems only occur when we take on responsibility that we don't have the ability for and are not gifted for. God does not expect more from us in comparison to others. We are not in competition with each other. I'm not in competition. We don't need to be jealous of others. 
I have been given a talent and I'm responsible for that talent. And if God chooses to give more to someone else, so be it. That's God's responsibility. It's not my responsibility to try and figure out why he gave more to someone else. I defeated my own giftings for so long because I would look at other people and go, why can't I do what they're doing? Why don't I have the same results when I do the same thing? Because I was trying to use their gift, which is not my gift. And when we understand our own individual gifts, then we begin to have fruit of what we're called to. So I'm only responsible for what God has given to me. And here's the result. When we do that, and as long as we work within the giftings, callings, and abilities God has given us, we have the potential to achieve a hundredfold. The whole point of the parable is you may start with little, but God can bring increase as we work with what he has given to us. For me, I was not a natural born leader as a kid. No, I could not lead people if I tried. I couldn't give them directions. As a matter of fact, I hated working with people. Don't put me in a group assignment. My sophomore year, I'll never forget it. Dawn Swift was my English teacher. She put together this whole group assignment, and I begged and pleaded. I said, I'll do two of the assignments if I can just work on my own. No, you have to work in a group assignment. I said, no, they're going to pull me down. It's going to be a C. I know it. I'm going to get a C on this assignment. If you, with that group, it will never happen. And she looked at me and she said, then you need to learn how to be a leader. And challenged me in that moment. But it wasn't my natural gifting. So will we have to work outside of our natural giftings at times? Yes, absolutely. And God will give us a grace for that. But in that, it actually developed something I didn't realize I had, which was a gift of leadership. It forced me to pull on a gift because sometimes we think to ourselves, I don't have that gifting, but really it's dormant on the inside of us and God is giving us opportunities to grow that gift. And so the whole point was that you can start with little. Have there been times where, I was, where I've complained that I wasn't given enough? Absolutely. God, if you would just give me more of this, then I could be like so-and-so and and I could have the results of so-and-so. But that's not what he called me to. But over the years, even with little leadership ability that I thought, it has multiplied hugely. Even with the prophetic where where I was, you know, a little wonky as a a younger in the ministry and didn't have have a guard on my tongue. God has taught me how to guard my tongue, how to protect the gift how to steward the gift. And so it's grown over the years. But the talents and the gifts have grown. This is what verse 16 and 17 says. The one who'd received the five talents immediately went and did business with them and earned five more talents. In the same way, the one who'd received the two talents earned two more. So they immediately did something with them. Two traded or worked with what had been entrusted to them and the result was the doubling of the talent. So I want to look at the master's response to this in verses 20 to 23. The one who'd received the five talents came up and brought five more talents saying, Master, you entrusted five talents to me. See, I have earned five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You are faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter the joy of your master. 
Also, the one who'd received the two talents came up and said, Master, you entrusted two talents to me. See, I've earned two more. Talents, his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter the joy of your master. The first thing the master did was commended them for their faithfulness. 1 Corinthians 4.2 It is required of stewards that one be found trustworthy. It's required that one be found trustworthy. Luke 12.42 And the Lord said, Who then is the faithful and sensible steward whom his master will put in charge of his servants? Verse 44, truly I say to you that he will put him in charge of what? All his possessions. The foundational principle regarding the kingdom of God is one word, faithfulness. That is what we are called to as believers with the gifts and talents that God has given to us is one word, faithfulness. God tests our hearts by entrusting to us initially with a little and watching our response to that. God doesn't give you the whole ranch to start. He gives you a sheep. He goes, take care of the sheep. Feed the sheep. Love the sheep. Wash the sheep. Shear the sheep. Do what's necessary. And then I'll give you two. And then you'll multiply. He doesn't give us the whole thing because the questions that God asks of us, are we found to be responsible? Are we found to be committed? Are we using that which we are gifted with to its fullest potential? And God's response simply is this. If proven to be faithful, it's the release of greater gifting and responsibility. It's the release of greater gifting and responsibility. And in Matthew 25, that's exactly what happened. Five talents plus five more is 10. That's a hundredfold. Two talents plus two more is four. That's another hundredfold. And again, what was projected for was not the initial giving of talents, but what was done with what was given. He gave them to the servants to see what they would do with what he had entrusted them with. And because of the hundredfold increase, not only did they not just have the 10 talents, they were put in charge of many things. That's the second thing. They had been entrusted and then they were put in charge. There was a shift there. There wasn't just an entrustment. Now there was an authority. When we're faithful with what God has entrusted us with, he then gives us authority over more. So as you're faithful to steward the gifts, spiritual authority becomes increased, empowered and released. They begin to have greater influence. And that is exactly what we see today. No matter what you start with, the potential of greater authority, influence and effectiveness is simple. Work with what you've been given. Are you using what he has given you? And then the third thing is they entered into the joy of their master. I talked a little bit last week, the sense of joy I have when I get to use my gifts. The joy I have when I'm flowing in what God has called me to. When I get to see lives transformed and see people blessed, it's huge. There is no greater fulfillment for me than when I see people encountering the God that I serve. It's significant because the Bible says that the kingdom of God is joy. Romans 4, 17, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. They'd entered into the kingdom of God. They'd come into the place of rulership and blessing. But the most amazing thing was this, is they received divine approval. Well done, good and faithful servant. The principle is clear. Each had a differing ability. 
And as a result, each were given differing levels of responsibility. Two of them had hundredfold increase. The result, they received the commendation of the master because of faithfulness. They were given rulership. But let's look at the third guy, because I think this is where many find themselves. Verse 24. Now the one who had received the one talent also came up and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. And I was afraid. That's a huge key for us this morning. I was afraid. So I went away and hid your talent in the ground. See, you still have what is yours. But his master answered and said to him, you worthless, lazy slave. I'm thankful I don't have bosses that talk to me like that. You worthless, lazy slave. Did you know that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I did not scatter seed? He's saying, did you really know that? Because if you did, then you ought to have put my money in the bank. And on my arrival, I would have received my money back with interest. Therefore, take the talent away from him and give it to the one who has 10 talents. For to everyone who has, more shall be given and he will have an abundance. But from the one who does not have, even what he does have shall be taken away and throw the worthless slave into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. We see the master is hard. He expects a return on the investment. It's the same with Christ. Christ paid too high of a price for us to just sit on what we've been given. We need to be very clear. We can be overcome by the love of God, the grace of God, but there is an expectation of the believer for some type of achievement in your life. There is an expectation that you would bear fruit in your life. That is the call of the believer. Verse 25 says that the slave hid the talent in the ground. Why? He was afraid. What did Adam say when God said, Adam, where are you? I was afraid. I was afraid. Fear is the number one uh, thing that holds us back from using the talents that God has given us. Fear. We become afraid. So what do we do? We hide it in the ground. Someone can be given the gift of leadership and will function successfully in the world with that gift. We go and we hide it in the world. We hide our gifts without ever bringing fruit to the Father. We have these incredible gifts, but we just hide it away. And one of the problems we often see is that a person is gifted, but they become disillusioned with the church and they take their talents and abilities and further it to their own ends without ever bringing a reward to the master. And verse 28 through 30 is the judgment he received. It's, it's harsh. He's rebuked. He loses his talent. And ultimately, he's cast out. And here's the sobering fact. Having proved to be unfaithful to what had been entrusted him, number one, he loses his talent. Loss of the call and the gifting of God. Loss of that which we were equipped and gifted to do. And the result is the impossibility to know true satisfaction and fulfillment given the fact that the very thing we were equipped with to gain satisfaction is now lost to us. We see this way too often in the life of people. They hide their talent away and ultimately lose what God had called them to and they never experience true joy. I can think of so many people that I know who have never experienced true joy because they hide away what God has given them. Now, let me make it clear. Again, 
No, not everyone is called to pulpit ministry. That's not ministry. Ministry, ministry is the life of the believer having an outflow into the life of others. That's ministry. Ministry is being the love of God demonstrated to other people that they might encounter the same God that you have encountered. You don't need a microphone to do that. You don't need a business card to do that. You don't need a title to do that. You've been called by God the minute you got saved, you were called into the ministry. Every single believer. That's why Ephesians 4, 11 and 12 says, He gave some to be apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists for the equipping of the saints to do the work of ministry. Each one of us is called to do the work of ministry, which is to bring those who are far from God back to God so that they might encounter him. So he loses that. He loses the ability to gain satisfaction. God is most glorified when we are most satisfied in him. Let me say that again. God is most glorified when we are most satisfied in him. How do we become satisfied in God? By doing what he's equipped us to do. Because that is the channel by which satisfaction flows, is the gifts and the talents that he has put on the inside of you brings you into a continuous encounter with his presence. And in his presence is the fullness of joy. And if I'm weak, the Bible says that the joy of the Lord is my strength. So when I'm fulfilling what God has called me to do in my own unique talents, gifts, and abilities, there I'm finding joy and there I become strong and I'm most satisfied. God is most glorified when I'm most satisfied. The second thing that happens is they're cast into outer outer darkness. This is not hell. Let's, let's make this clear. This is not hell, and this is not a place for non-Christians. The context is this. The kingdom of God, therefore, the teaching is toward Christians. So he's not saying here that if you don't use your gifts and talents, you're going to hell. That's not what is being said here. What did the first two enter into? They entered into the reward, which was rulership and authority in the kingdom of God. So what is outer darkness? It is a place of no authority. It is a place of great sorrow. They still are part of the master's kingdom. They just cannot partake of the gift of the master's kingdom. So they go into a place of regret, sorrow, outer darkness. Because they suddenly realize that they'd missed out on God's best. Simply to say this, that the realization that they'd been given from God gifts and talents and chose to bury them, they then saw what they had lost and this was a place of great darkness for them because they see others now ruling when they have nothing left. That's the place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's not hell because the message was to the believer who didn't use their talents. So the conclusion is his talent is given to the one who had 10, who thus now increases to 11. And the problem in the church is that God will have his way. He will do his work through his people and he will find someone to do what needs to be done even when there are some who bury their entrustment. As I close this morning, our mission is to use the talent that God has given to us. And when we do, God will cause increase, authority, 
and joy to come to our lives. And we will experience both divine approval and divine satisfaction. God is most glorified when I'm most satisfied in Him. How do I find my satisfaction in Him? I use what He's given me. Because those are the tools by which He brings satisfaction to my life. I am most satisfied when I do what He's called me to do with what He's given me. And by doing that, God is most glorified. What did the city say of the Master who had servants who multiplied his investments. Look at that guy. What is he doing that I'm not doing? Why are his servants able to take so little and make so much out of it? The world looks at the church and goes, wow, God is really glorified through those people. What are they doing that I'm not doing? Oh, they're using the gifts that their master gave him. That's what God's called you to. So the question that we are, we are grappling with as we're talking about life on mission is who has God called me to be and what has he given me to do it? Why don't you stand this morning? If you've never made a decision to follow Jesus this morning, if you've never repented, if you've never surrendered your life to Christ, I want to give you that opportunity. Is live stream up? Awesome. If you're watching by live stream this morning, wherever you are, if you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, I want to give you that opportunity this morning. To follow Jesus, you need to repent of your sin. The truth is that you're a sinner in need of a Savior. But Ephesians 2 says that God is so rich in mercy that He sent Jesus for us. I'm so thankful. God was so rich in mercy that he saved me. That's why I want to give you the opportunity to follow him this morning. So if that's you this morning, you've never made a decision for Christ, you're in this room or you're watching my live stream, just a second, we're going to pray together. If that's you, I want you to slip up your hand. Maybe you prayed this prayer a long time ago. Maybe you said you followed Jesus years ago, but it's been years since you followed him. You want to do that this morning. I had the great opportunity to lead my dad to Christ last week. So neat to see him give his life to Jesus. So proud of him. Let's pray this morning. Jesus, I repent of my sin. I'm sorry for the things that I've done. I come to you this morning to follow you. I lay all my mistakes at your feet. Thank you for saving me. Jesus name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. To stay connected, follow us on Instagram or Facebook or visit www.equippingchurch.us.